Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. The Old Testament lesson for today is from Nehemiah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This can be found on page 468 of your Pew Bible. Despite the fact that the returned exiles had been in Jerusalem for many years, the walls of the city remained unrepaired, leaving its people defenseless. When Nehemiah hears of this, he is deeply grieved and turns to God in heartfelt prayer, seeking his forgiveness and help. A reading from Nehemiah chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, now it happened in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven from there, I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. When I was a kid in my household of origin, whining and complaining were not tolerated. I have all these memories of being at the dinner table, for example, and I hated the taste of peas. And if my mom put peas in the shepherd's pie, I would say, oh, this is gross. I can't eat this. And what do you think my mom would say? Maybe you had a, a parent like this too. What do you think my parents would say? 
There are children starving in Africa. <laughs> Count your blessings. I remember one time my dad picked me up from practice and I got into his car and I complained to him that his car was so old and dorky, you know, much older than my friend's parents' cars. What do you think my dad said? You could walk home from practice. <laughs> Count your blessings. I found myself doing this as well as a dad. When my kids were toddlers, for example, uh, we used to take them over to the neighbor's pool in the summertime. And we'd get in the car, and it's like a one or two minute drive. And if I heard any whining or complaining between our house and the pool, it just bothered me. So I said, hey, kids, you know what this street is, right? This is a no whining zone. <laughs> in fact, if anybody whines on this street, you're not going swimming. <laughs> I look back on that, I realize I was a little intense. I've come to believe that whining and complaining is an offense to both man and God. So it comes as a bit of a surprise when I realize that so many heroes of the Bible complain. And in fact, when the heroes of the Bible complain well, when they do it right, it's not actually called complaining. It's called lament. It's called lament. In Nehemiah in chapter 1, which we're going to look at today, he brings a lament to God. After tragedy, after he realizes things are not going the way they're supposed to go, he laments to God. And biblical lament leads to hopeful action to repair the things that are broken in this world. Biblical lament leads to hopeful action to repair the things that are broken in this world. Where are we in our sermon series? We're going through the entire Bible over the course of three years. We're finally done with the exile. The people of God are coming home to Jerusalem. They've had so much trouble in Babylon during the exile, but they come back to Jerusalem and they realize things aren't the way they're supposed to be here either. The infrastructure's broken. The nation's actually divided. This interesting thing happens. There's a two camps, really, two tribes, the people who've gone off to the exile and the people who've stayed home. You would think they would regather in Jerusalem and just praise God that the exile's over, but they squabble and, and they fight with one another. Leadership on a number of levels has failed. Things are just not the way they are supposed to be. So Nehemiah brings this lament to God. Let's pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Kislev in the 20th year as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. The nation is divided. The infrastructure is in rubble and leadership has failed. What does Nehemiah do in response to such a collective tragedy that all the people have gone through? Verse four, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah is about to show us what biblical lament looks like. After collective tragedy, after things are not going the way they are supposed to go, 
I was preparing for this sermon and the Lord really pressed on my heart that this is a timely word for us. We haven't gone off to exile, but we have some things in common with the people at this moment in history. They've just gone through a collective tragedy. Things are not going the way they are supposed to be. I was realizing next month, March, will mark the three-year anniversary of when the pandemic began. I was thinking back over the last three years and all the troubles that we've all just gone through. And I thought, what would it look like if, if we lamented about that? Not just complain, as I'm prone to do in my human flesh, but offered God a biblical lament. If we did that, if we offer God a biblical lament, it might just lead to hopeful action to repair what's broken in this world. So for the next few verses, we're going to look at Nehemiah's prayer, his lament. What, what, how did he pray to God in this moment? And as I was reading it, I was realizing how different his lament is from the way we normally complain. So as we go through each verse, I'm just going to show this chart. Maybe, Max, you can just show the the first part of it here. There's biblical lament, which Nehemiah is going to show us. And I'm just going to compare and contrast that to how we normally complain. Or let me put it honestly, how I'm prone to complain. None of you do it, I'm sure. The first thing we notice about Nehemiah's lament is that it's to God. He brings his lament right to God. Verse 5, And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. You know what he's doing here? He's bringing his lament. Where, where does he bring it? Adrian, what was that song you just sang? To the rock. He's going to the rock. Thanks for bringing us to church today. That was an awesome song. Nehemiah says, I'm going to go right to the source. Oh, great and awesome God. Things are in this world are not the way they are supposed to be. Infrastructure's broken. The nation's divided. Leaders have failed. I'm coming right to you, oh, awesome God. I'm going to the rock. Because you are the source. See, Nehemiah believes that ultimately God is sovereign. Therefore, God is the highest authority in the universe. Therefore, he believes that he orchestrates all things in human history. So Nehemiah is going right to the highest authorities, knocking on the office of God saying, I've got a lament to bring to you, O God. This is great that Nehemiah does this because complaining, by contrast, it goes to others. Can you show that for us, Max? Lament goes to God. Complaining usually goes to others. This is how it usually works with complaining. Let's say I have a conflict with, I don't know, Pastor David. (laughs) He's upset me again. (laughs) And I have to go confront him about it, you know? And this is usually happens with me. I have to go complain to David, and I start coming towards David to complain, but this feels uncomfortable. I don't really like confrontation. So instead of going right to the place where I should, what do I do? I go behind his back, and I talk to others. I say, can you believe this guy? You're not going to believe what he did to me again. I have to work with him every day. This guy. See that? Don't we do that? Instead of going right to the source, right to the actual place where we should, we talk to everybody but the person that we should. Nehemiah doesn't do that. He goes right to the rock. He goes right to the awesome God. That's what biblical lament does. The first thing we see, we go straight to God with our lament. Secondly, lament is for the sake of others. Lament isn't all about me. It's for others. Verse 6. 
Let your ear be attentive. This is still a prayer to God. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. You see, Nehemiah says, I'm, I'm bringing my complaint to you, God. I'm bringing you my lament, not for me, but for them. There's people out here in Jerusalem. There's people out here in the world who are hurting They're affected by this broken system, the breakdown of leadership. So I'm interceding to you for them. Lament is for the sake of others. Complaining, on the other hand, is usually all about me. I've been inconvenienced, and I need to tell you about it. Some years ago, we were planning to go on a trip as a family, and I needed something important for the trip. We were leaving in four days, I'm sorry, we were leaving in three days. So I thought, perfect, I'll click on Amazon and I'll get this item that we need in. How many days is Amazon Prime? Two days. Now it's one. This is a couple years ago, okay? And uh, what do you think happened? It didn't come in time. We had to leave for the trip without this all-important thing. So you know what I did? I complained. I called the 800 number. And I said, I needed this for our trip. It says two days on the website. It took four days to get to my house. Do you have any idea how you've inconvenienced me? See, that's complaining. It's me, me. I feel so bad for these representatives when you call them. Ah, Lord, I confess. I I, I probably ruined this person's day. That's what complaining does, though. It's all about, instead of sitting back and saying, wow, I live in a society where I can sit in the comfort of my own home, click a button, and something arrives at my house. In only four days. It's amazing. There's lament and then there's complaining. Nehemiah shows us to pray for the sake of others. Not to make it all about ourselves, but to say, who in this world around me is hurting? Lord, I pray for them. Biblical lament. This next one is is even more amazing. Biblical lament is to God, it's for others, and thirdly, it's confessional. Biblical lament confesses. We're going to see what complaining normally does in a moment, but let's first look at what Nehemiah does. Halfway through verse 6. For the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I, this is amazing, even I, Nehemiah says, and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Biblical lament is honest about our own complicity and culpability in the things that are broken in this world. Complaining, on the other hand, what our human nature is prone to do, instead of confessing, it's just blaming. It blames everyone around us. Imagine... No, Nehemiah is a leader, right? He had a lot of leadership capital to lose by standing up and saying, I'm part of the problem. Imagine one of our elected officials, just imagine this with me, standing on the steps of the Capitol with all the microphones in front of him with the cameras on him. And the elected official saying, the system's broken and it's my fault. Nobody would ever say that, right? That shows you how far we've gone from the ideals of the Bible. Nehemiah is a leader, and he prays this prayer to God for the sake of others, saying, even I am part of the problem here, Lord. I've sinned, and I confess that to you. How much 
do we see and even do of this blaming, complaining blames, lamenting, confesses, complaining blames everyone around us. I heard this story from a dad recently. His middle school daughter was in science class and they got their tests back. And on the top of her test, it said her name and the grade she got, and it was an F. And so she got this failing grade on the test and she brought it home. She put it on the kitchen counter and she said, I got this F. And a lot of other kids in the class also failed, which shows you that this teacher really is not doing a good job (laughs) teaching us. Not only that, mom and dad, you guys didn't help me study. (laughs) See, between getting the failing grade and walking home, she had convinced herself that everyone was responsible for her failure except for the one whose name was on the top of the test. (laughs) If you laughed right now, maybe you can resonate a little bit with that. Don't we do that? We fail and we say it's everyone else's fault but ours. Nehemiah says, I've sinned, Lord. That's what lamenting does. It's honest about our own complicity in the problem. So biblical lament is to God. We bring it to the rock. It's for the sake of others. It's confessional. Fourthly, it's, it's hopeful. Verse 8, look, look at this interesting thing that happens here. He's talking to God and he says to God in verse 8, remember the word. He's talking to God saying, God, I hope that you will be true to your own word. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Biblical lament hopes that the promises of God are true. Biblical lament hopes that God will remember what he promised his people. Sometimes I look out at all the things going on in our world, all the brokenness, all of our need for a savior. And sometimes I just pray, I say, Lord Jesus, you said you would come back. Remember your own promise. Come, Lord Jesus. See, it hopes in the promises of God, whereas complaining, on the other hand, it's not hopeful. It's cynical. When we complain, when we blame others, when we say it's all about me, we become cynical. I hear this phrase sometimes, all is lost. You know, there's no hope. Look at everything going on in our country. And there's this cynicism that seeps in. But if we're lamenting, as Nehemiah lamented, if we're offering God a biblical lament, we'll actually be brimming with hope. Because we will believe that the God of the Bible is faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his word. And we start seeking him in that, right? We start seeking the fulfillment of his promises, which leads to the last part. This isn't in this paragraph, but the rest of Nehemiah, he ends up leading them to rebuild the wall. And so biblical lament, it's to God, it's for others, it's confessional, it's hopeful, but it leads to action. It leads to constructive action. Whereas human complaining leads to detachment. It leads to just being aloof about all the problems, sitting in our own smug, lazy boy recliners, complaining about all the idiots out there, right? But biblical lament says, let's get to work. Let's roll up our sleeves. There's a wall to rebuild. There's a city to repair. There's a nation divided. 
There's families that are divided. There's feelings that are hurt. People have suffered. People have died. People were isolated during the pandemic. There's still turmoil happening inside people's households between husbands and wives, parents and children. There's a lot of repair that has to take place out there. What are we going to do about it? Sit back smugly and judge or get to work? I look around at all of these properties here in Greenwich. It's fun in the wintertime when you can see the old stone walls from hundreds of years ago. And I picture them in the springtime after the wind had knocked over trees and branches and some of those walls might have been knocked down a little bit. There was a, an annual ritual that would take place among the neighbors of Greenwich. They would go out to the wall together and they would meet each other there and they would lift up those stones and they would put them back atop each other. And they would meet each other and they would converse and they would talk. How was the winter? See, they had just experienced the hardship of winter, but now spring was coming and the rebuilding project began. This is what happens in Nehemiah. The exile is over. The nation is divided. Leaders have failed. And instead of sitting back cynically and complaining about it, they brought their biblical lament to God and they began the work of repair. And the call for us is the same. This world needs repairers of the breach. Jesus offered a lament the night before he went to the cross. He brought his lament right to the Father. You know, he could have complained. If anyone could have complained with the assignment they were given, it was this guy. (laughs) Imagine it, wouldn't it? It's just so weird to think about. If Jesus received the assignment from the Father, and instead of going right to the Father, he went to his disciple, he went behind the Father's back. You're not going to believe what God the Father told me I have to do. (laughs) Can you believe this? That's what complaining does. Oh, it's going to be so hard for me. He could have said that too. But he said, not my will, but yours. And he interceded for us, not himself. It even cost him his very life. And talk about hopeful action. (laughs) The action he took by going to the cross and rising again was the most amazing act ever done in the history of the world to repair the breach, to break down the dividing line between us and God. He bore our sins on the tree so that we could be repaired in our relationship with the Father. Jesus did that for us. So how might we live this way? Well, we say to God, remember the word. But also something implicit in this prayer is that Nehemiah remembered the word too. He knew what was written. He knew what was promised. He knew what was spoken by the prophets. And for us to have biblical lament that leads to hopeful action to repair what's going on in this world, we need to know what's in here. That's why we preach and study this every single week here at Stanwich. Because we seek to remember the word. It ties us. It anchors us. It connects us with God so that we won't be tempted in our flesh to just be more complainers. This country, this world doesn't need more complainers. It needs biblical lamenters. So so I guess I could conclude just by saying, okay, our assignment is to go out there and lament. (laughs) Um, 
But I thought I would just try, just attempt right now to demonstrate, just to offer a prayer right now in the style of Nehemiah. So I'm going to conclude my sermon with that. I'll start with silence. Maybe you can bring to mind, maybe it's some conviction, some confessing you need to do or some um, lamenting. Do that in the silence and then I'll, I'll attempt to pray as Nehemiah did for us. Lord, we've just been through a lot these last three years. Things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Things are broken. We have pain still and division. So I'm coming to you right now. I'm knocking on heaven's door. I'm coming to you, the authority above all authorities, the one who is sovereign over all the events of human history, and I bring my lament to you. I come to the rock. And Lord, I'm offering a lament, a weeping, a sorrowful cry about all the things that I see that are broken in this world. And I'm not coming to you to cry or whine or complain about myself, all the ways I was inconvenienced, but Lord, I'm coming to you for the sake of others, for all the people around the world who are still hurting, who are still affected. And I intercede for them. Lord, visit them, help them, bless them, gather them up. And Lord, it'd be easy for me right now to start pointing my finger, blaming all kinds of people who messed up. But I'm not going to do that, Lord. I'm going to confess. I confess my own sin. I confess my own self-righteousness. I confess my own comfort-seeking. I confess my lack of being willing to step in and help when people needed it. I confess arrogance, thinking I had answers when leaders were failing. Lord, I'm part of the problem. Will you forgive me? But Lord, I hope, I hope that you will remember your promises. You promised Jesus that you would never leave us or forsake us. Remember that. You promised that you would come back again to take us to the Father. Jesus, will you remember that promise? We need you. Come back. I hope. And out of that hope, Lord, now I look around at this world in so much need of repair, and I want to get to work hoping that you are who you say you are, that you will do what you say you will do, that you will be who you say you will be for us, in us, through us. And I want to follow you where you're going. I want to go into Stanford and build a new church there, gathering people out of their hiding places and reconnecting with you and with one another. I want to go into households and families that I know are still in turmoil, Lord. And I want to just offer friendship 
in your very presence. Or put us to work. Make us repairs of the breach. Thank you for hearing our lament in Jesus' name. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.